0: Hello, and welcome back to Free Reeling It, episode 40 of your friendly neighborhood movie podcast, hosted by two friends, myself, Matthew, and the smart one, Jesse. Jesse, how are you? I forgot to open up IMDb. (laughs) A broken clock is right twice a day, and it was not right when we looked at it this time, so... uh. So, yeah, we've done this 40 times, or this is our 40th time. Kind of amazing that we've made it to 40 episodes on the schedule. You know, I was watching this movie. So, we're doing Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, directed by John Hughes. Uh, I don't remember the timeline. Written by John
1: Hughes in three days.
0: That's amazing, actually.
1: I guess at this point in his career, that's how fast he was writing all of the scripts.
0: I mean i think he at this point he was probably in a rhythm but so uh before b- before so okay this is a 1980s 1987 steve martin john candy john hughes and john hughes is at hold the on, point hold on, career- hold on hold on hold on, hold what's on? Up? <laughs> we gotta do that again why what's up
1: we're gonna have to hit record again let's do more time <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Sorry about that. <laughs> we were in a good so, rhythm, and I've so none of record. this.
0: You've gotten none of this, ex- or is this, the, this? I mean, I
1: got it on my end, but I didn't. I want to get it on the master, just in case we have another weird audio issue.
0: Oh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, but if this is salvageable, you should definitely. Oh, I'll put it, it in. I'll put it in. I just <laughs> to hit Record on the master. Okay. So, uh, so I'll do a restart. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm gonna do a countdown again. Three, two. One. Hello and welcome back to your 40th episode of Free Reeling It, a movie podcast hosted by two friends, myself Matthew and of course the smart one, Jesse. Jesse, how are you? I forgot to hit record on the master. <laughs>
1: twice you've done that intro twice you've called me the smart one and both times i have failed to do something that i usually but see
0: this is this is why this is so that that's it's just endearing that way we wouldn't be smart if we didn't do stupid stuff
1: i mean that's true you got me mid sip but yeah that's true
0: (laughs) so uh so yeah we are we are just about to hit the throes of winter here on the east coast
1: i'm already in the throes of winter for a california boy
0: Oh yeah? It what was like
1: thirty seven this morning with ice in my car and I turned on my car and it was like tire pressure low and I'm like, That's not right. These are new tires.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh yeah, so we are we just we just had like our first freeze. So and it's it's pretty weird. We are inside we are five days away from my birthday and we've not had a... s I'm gonna get you something for your birthday. No, please don't. Please don't. Talk uh, about later. Please don't. Uh but so we're doing the nineteen eighty seven film. Uh, about Two Absolute buddies Trying to get home for Thanksgiving It's directed by John Hughes It stars Steve Martin and John Candy Written by John Hughes in three it, days Written by John Hughes in three days And I want to say uh, For being at the point in his career Where he I, I'm pretty sure this is his first That's not like a Brat Pack movie If I'm wrong, uh I'll tell you in just a moment. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Please tell me if I'm wrong. But I think I noticed something that I had never noticed before. There is like a weird nexus in this movie of the John Hughes multiverse. Oh are you saying that because Kevin Bacon's in this movie? No. Yeah, well, yes, that that's one. Uh, so I'm. We're gonna get right to it. We're gonna get right to it. So okay, we, but oh, this is,
1: yes, this is the first movie after the Brat Pack Four.
0: Okay, so, so yes, uh, <laughs> so it's weird. John John Hughes kind of abandoned all, all the kids and left them to obscurity and got SCTV and SNL headliners. Um, so this is that we start. We open planes, trains, and automobiles in a boardroom. A very quiet boardroom where a very stuffy corporate white dude is staring at late mock-ups for layouts i don't know if it's advertising or a magazine doesn't really matter can i pause you for a second sure uh this movie is a classic
1: i know it's a classic um but i wasn't having a great time with it until a certain point and I, I in, in the middle we'll talk about the stuff that you want to talk about during the recap and everything. But once we get sure. to the point that I'm like, oh yeah, I love this
0: movie now, I will tell you when that happens. That's fine. I'm not really gonna do a full recap, but this is my this is this is the beginning of my my nexus of the, the John Hughes multiverse. I've not had time to rewatch all the movies and confirm all of this, but they I I had like wild ideas. Steve Martin is sitting across from Ferris Bueller's dad okay and they're going back to chicago where ferris okay. bueller takes off steve martin works with ferris bueller's dad as far as i'm concerned okay and then um the kevin bacon and then r- races kevin bacon to for, a a cab. Ca- for a cab kevin bacon Is was a- already filming john she's, hughes's yeah, next she's movie, having a baby she's having a baby exactly the same and he looks exactly the same. He looks exactly the same as he did in Footloose. Let's not mince words here. No, no, I'm later- just saying,
1: though, like, he, lo- he's wearing a suit and everything in all these pictures I'm seeing, which is, like, the same suit he's wearing in planes, trains, and automobiles.
0: Yeah. And later on in the movie, Steve Martin's wife is watching a movie waiting for him to call. Guess what movie she's watching, Jesse?
1: Uh, she's watching either Weird Science or The Breakfast Club.
0: Nope. She's having a baby. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and the then... <laughs> And then, yeah, I know it's funny. Uh, it's like it's like someone had access to the dailies or the the early audio. Who, who how would that work? Um,
1: and then John Candy changes his name and, and stars in Uncle Buck.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. But uh, later on in the movie, we get cameos from Ben Stein, who I'm not going to try and make. I'm not going to try and make the grand leap that uh, the teacher from Ferris Bueller became decided to to leave school and work for airlines nor am i going to say that ed rooney's secretary from ferris bueller decided to work for marathon car rental but i just i just saw this and i'm like is 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 there a john hughes multiverse and i'll bet you and i didn't do any googling i'll bet you there's i'll bet you there's a john hughes multiverse out there.
1: It's probably at least a theory
0: yeah like and i'm and really, it probably all just takes place in the universe of Saint Elsewhere, anyway. Um, well, don't get but... me started on
1: Saint Elsewhere. I was talking to about that this weekend.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, well, the show or the Gnarls Barkley album, because we can do <laughs> The either. show. The show.
1: Uh, we were we were watching Star Trek, and we were talking about like how something was all a dream. And I'm like, yeah. Did you know there was an entire like seven season hospital drama where that was the case? Yep. <laughs> oh, yep. Man, what a time. And, like, since there's... Okay, you got me on a small tangent. I will wrap this it. up Let's in, like, three it. sentences.
0: Let's do it. But since there's
1: a bunch of characters in St. Elsewhere that occur in other shows, and then those characters occur in other shows, and it just goes well, there's, like, a whole list of shows that technically take place in the snow globe. Yeah. It's messed up, man.
0: Or is it's, it genius?
1: No, it's it's messed up. That's <laughs> Um, I would like to talk about John Hughes's writing credits for just let, half let's, a
0: moment. Let, let's do that.
1: Um, John Hughes sadly passed away in 2009 at 59. He was so young when he made this and so young when he died. Yeah. Um, his last story credit, other than characters he already created, was Drillbit Taylor. Oh, wow. I don't know if you know the movie i feel like i've seen it it's uh it's seth rogan help write it john hughes well john R- hughes wrote the story seth rogan wrote the screenplay okay with christopher brown starring owen wilson josh peck and alex frost wow. where they're a bunch of nerds who get bullied and so they find this homeless man basically who's like i'll teach you how to fight the bullies <laughs> and that's owen wilson <laughs> uh anyways not, not a good movie i just find it interesting that that's the last movie he wrote. He did write Made in Manhattan, though, and I remember that being an okay rom-com with Ralph Finnis and Jennifer Lopez. Ray finds. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I just watched Ray finds in something. I don't know what. Uh,
0: but, uh, so, okay. This, this movie, getting, getting into, like, the meat and potatoes of this movie, uh, uh, it is not...
1: <gasps> I haven't even talked about Flubber yet. Come on, man.
0: Oh, did you? I didn't realize you were. If you were still going, no, please, no, no. By I, just, by I all just means, found it
1: amazing he wrote Flubber.
0: Yeah, that, well, he he wrote the he re- he remade Flubber because he direct Flubber too. I thought he just wrote it. No, well, that well, Flubber was the original. It's not. That's not. A, that's not. A, it was an adapt- oh, adaptation. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, it's a remake. Yeah, sorry. Which I believe is the original star of Walter Matthau. Probably, which is awesome. Um. I think, don't quote me on that, it's been a long time since I've seen the original. But, uh, Where this... Mr. Mom? Huh? Sorry, I just saw you wrote Mr. Mom. Yeah, I knew he wrote Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom rules. Um, Final but... Topic. This is... this This is... This movie is not an original idea. Uh, it's not... Uh, I mean, you could, you could, I mean, you say he wrote this in three days and I could probably see that he like saw several of these type of movies recently and said, Oh, I'm just going to do that and see what happens. Um, and I think it would be very easy for anybody to watch this movie and come away going so, but I think the, the the grandest takeaway here is I think the performances of Martin and Candy are just wonderful.
1: Well, what's interesting, and this is me just coming off of watching The Jerk. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I have been exposed to a different Steve Martin. Um, let's see, what other Steve Martin things have I seen that are around this time? I mean, I've seen him in SNL at the time. Yeah. Um, Three Amigos But I understand that uh, It's really funny that they put writer first When he's uh, mostly an
0: actor Well he he wanted. I think he wants to be known as a writer I think no, he always fair. wanted that But then he ended up just being Pretty good on the other side of it as well
1: Um Little Shop of Horrors mm-hmm. like, he played, I think this character is more like His character in Little Shop of Horrors Um and then Father of the Bride I've Seen, which I, I guess it's all, this character is a mix of his character in Little Shop of Horrors and Father of the Bride. Okay. Which is just basically no nonsense and easily uh, excitable, I guess is one way to put it. Sure. Uh, but that being said, is I just came off the jerk, though, and I'm like, oh, this is around that time of Steve and He's going to be goofy. No, no, no. Very, very serious
0: man in this movie. Yeah. Uh, John Candy is the comedy man. <laughs> Sure. Well, like in around this time, like Three Amigos, Little Shop of Horrors are in '86. Roxanne and this are in '87, and Roxanne and this, um, have a lot in common. I think Steve Martin is funnier in Roxanne. He's also very funny in uh, My Blue Heaven, and I think, if I remember correctly, L.A. Story as well, which aren't too far off. Uh, but like this, Roxanne, and probably 1989's Parenthood, are yeah. all performances cut from a cloth, cut from the same cloth.
1: Uh, something else that's very interesting about this movie. Talk about Kevin Bacon, who's fourth credited. Mm-hmm. Um, but who? i uh, sorry, not fourth credited, fifth credited. Uh, but who is fourth credited? Uh, Michael McKeon, who is in one scene.
0: <laughs> oh, you mean like Kevin Bacon?
1: Just like Kevin Bacon, but like he's like he's like <laughs>
0: after like the wife that goes Michael McKean. It's like big enough for that. <laughs> like is he big enough name to get that credit that early? Uh, well, I mean, he, he this is post this is Spinal Tap, so yeah, Michael McKean oh, yeah, huge this time.
1: Yeah, it'd probably post Clue then too.
0: Yep. Even Definitely if Clue was a bomb,
1: it was still like a huge role for him. Yeah. Before uh, Better Call Saul, though. So I mean, that idea. <laughs>
0: And Michael B. keane has been just in a ton of stuff. Yeah, he's he's not had to really look for work. He's always been heavily heavily employable.
1: Halloween Jam at Universal Studios, nice. Yeah. Buddy. <laughs> um, I guess we should talk about the movie a bit more. Sure. Uh, I I think for me, what just what threw me off is just kind of. John Candy's obliviousness to everything. I, I mean, John, the stuff I know John Candy the most from is literally one movie.
0: Okay, which not that I haven't Uncle, seen. More which movies. I'm assuming is Uncle Buck. Is that is that fair? Uh, no, it's it's
1: Spaceballs. Oh, I'm pretty you... sure I've seen Uncle Buck. I just don't remember Uncle Buck, but okay. I've seen Spaceballs. Oh, and Home Alone. Home Alone and Spaceballs are like the two movies I've seen enough that I remember John Candy in them. Um.
0: John and, Candy's in Home Alone.
1: Yeah, he remember when uh, she's trying to get to uh, the kid, and he's like, "Oh, you can ride the bus with me and my bandmates," and he's like a tr- he's like a part of a jazz band.
0: Oh, I don't remember this.
1: Uh, let me see if I can find an
0: image for. I him. probably have to watch Home Alone again, but <laughs> uh, that's great.
1: I think the first two are pretty fantastic
0: movies. Okay.
1: Um, but yeah, no, in his in Spaceballs, he's very lovable, and he's not very dumb. I mean, he's he's still a little dumb because everybody's a little dumb in Spaceballs, mm-hmm. but like he's he's kind of there to be the the straight man to a lot of the other characters in that movie. Yeah. Where in this, it's all Steve Martin being the straight man, which is weird because I just never think of Steve Martin as the straight man. Yeah. But he does it. He does it extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um Which I guess if you think of Father of the Bride, he's the straight man to Martin Short, which he's that's basically become his later career, anyways.
0: Yeah. And father of the bread too. Yeah. I mean he's is... Maybe he's a straight man in more things than I uh, remember. I, well, I so I think it I, so it's it's weird. Like if it's not if it's not Steve Martin in a vehicle by himself, to me he always seems the straight man. Yeah, okay. Like like definitely in The Jerk and uh and Roxanne um he that's where he's like on his own I mean sure Daryl Hannah's in Roxanne as well but I don't know how big she was at the time because I know the only thing I know of her pr- that I can remember right now uh prior to that is is Blade Runner um but not that like Steve Steve Martin he has such a wide comedic range like he's he's not he's not like your bill murray where he kind of just looks constantly aloof yeah and has and has like the witty thing to say uh he's definitely not definitely not john candy who is kind of like the norm from cheers where he walks in he's definitely gonna have a story he's definitely gonna make you laugh and all of which will probably cause you to buy him a drink and which he will return the favor as well. Uh, but also like John Candy also seems like that really funny uncle too. Yeah, totally um but but yeah so I think what I like what I like the most about this movie is the only one who understands that they are friends or that or, or that they are becoming friends is John Candy where um steve martin is kind of just looking at the world and like if i just keep my head down and and play by the rules everything should go my way and then he's disappointed as hell when it doesn't yeah um like he's like as the the scene we talked about or the scene i talked about at the beginning like the board meeting he's sitting there he's he's looking at ferris bueller's dad going i gotta go i gotta catch a plane and at the end of that sort of sequence where you see them part ways as Martin gets on the elevator. Like that if, if those two are like work friends or or as Ron Swanson would say, work proximity associates, um, I feel like Ferris Bueller's dad in that relationship would be the John Candy of that not necessarily because steve martin is all or not necessarily because neil page is going to be the neil page but i don't think neil page knows anything else yeah totally um and like as i was saying earlier this like this this entire film is not an original idea it's i mean an odd couple scenario is i mean it's definitely as old as the odd couple because (laughs) that's where it comes from at least as far as i know uh but it's also like it's not it's it's a way to explore friendship between adults
1: yeah I think for me what became the issue was how long it took Steve Martin to or his character to warm up at all which I guess the kind of the goal of that was to get him to his most breaking point but by the time we by the time we got there so like First he doesn't get his taxi And Mm -hmm. almost gets hit by John Candy In a taxi Then he goes to the airport Not late for his flight Sees that John Candy's there They have some discussion But he doesn't want to deal with it I knew I knew ya Yeah And then they get on the flight And he's kicked out of first class He has to sit with John Candy It's miserable Mm -hmm. Then his flight gets gets rerouted To even further away from Chicago Wichita Wichita (laughs) <laughs> and flights are canceled. And John Candy's like, I know a place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you no. called home. I called the Braidwood Inn. <laughs>
1: uh, so he gets dragged to this uh, this place, for, uh, this uh, hotel, motel. They get a one-bedroom place to stay. John Candy is awful to sleep around.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, before you continue this, I just yeah. want to say, I just want to say the cab driver, did you recognize him? He's in Home Alone. One of the cops on the phone. I wouldn't have remembered I, th- I think it's like He's one of the, Like there's a scene In Home Alone Where he is on the phone And there's a piece of donut Stuck to the
1: Is he Doobie? Is that the uh, the Cab driver's name? Is it Larry Hankin?
0: Yeah Yeah I don't I don't remember his name But it, the, the, the The cab driver is Doobie Okay
1: yeah yeah I, I recognize his face But I don't think it's from Home Alone
0: Oh yeah no I just remember You want you want us to send Someone over to your house Just to check on him <laughs> I think that's what it is
1: Um so and so, and then in the middle of the night they get they get robbed and they don't realize it. Correct. Then he goes to get a car, and it, but basically it leads to a point where he just is he curses out this nice old lady. Oh, not old,
0: e- nice lady, Edie e- 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 McClurg from e- <laughs> e- <laughs> the secret the yes.
1: secretary from Ferris Bueller's Day the <laughs> Off. The scene that I knew about going into this was that scene. Oh, okay but like it wasn't funny just mean to me yeah but i get it i get it um and then when but then when he goes out and talks to the car rental guy and he makes fun of him the car rental guy knocks him out and then he almost gets killed again by john candy in a car and then gets grabbed by the crotch and thrown in the car
0: yeah that
1: that was funny Mm -hmm. And that's when my, my dad came and he saw i was watching it he goes I've never seen this before. Is it funny? I'm like, well, I think it's funny to some, but it it hasn't really gotten to me yet. And we're getting to the part where it's finally gotten to me, okay? We're getting there. Okay. They're having a good time. Steve Martin's sleeping. Uncandy is singing Flintstones. He's then singing this jazz song and doing all these cool tricks and swerving all around. Then he gets his jacket caught on a chair. (laughs) Eventually, he finally gets it uncaught. They spin out of control, but he's like, don't worry about it back on the road they're going down the wrong way on the freeway yep and i've learned something about myself watching this movie because this is the second time this has ever happened both in john hughes movies which said something um the way to win me in any comedy is have people turn into skeletons mid-scream still screaming (laughs) and then turn back to themselves it that's why home alone 2 is my favorite home alone movie Uh uh-huh and when they get hit by the, they, they scrape by the trucks so as they're going the wrong way and they start screaming and they both turn into the
0: skeleton screaming. <laughs> and then John Candy turns into the, the devil. The devil. <laughs> I'm
1: losing it. I tell my dad to come back in here and I play it for him again and I lose it again and so does he, because it's just the funniest looking thing.
0: Yeah. It's the funniest
1: fucking thing. And that's thing. when this movie won me over. And from then on out, it was like, oh yeah, this is, this is a great time. Everybody's having fun it's like, what, they go to the, they go to the ho, the second hotel, and he's like, he's like, uh, do you take uh, credit cards? And he's like, yes. And he pulls out all of the burnt up cards. The burnt credit cards? He's the like, diners. I can't, <laughs> I can't take any of those. He's like, how about seventeen dollars and a nice watch? <laughs> it's just a lot of fun there. Yeah. But then so, John Hughes pulls, pulls a fast one on you, and I think he does this in his, a lot of his movies, really, where yeah. you. He, um, Steve Martin realizes after all the talk and everything with John Candy's character, and this is big spoilers for the end. So sorry that we're getting to it so fast, but I just kind of want to talk about how this movie really solidified itself with me. Mm-hmm. Is you re- he realizes John Candy's wife, who he talks so lovingly about, the whole movie is is gone. He has nowhere to go, and he's just been wandering really. Yeah, and that's why he's the way he is because, and that's why he wants to be friends so badly because he just he needs companionship. So he invites John Candy back to his place for Thanksgiving and everybody accepts him. Right away. Mhm. And it's it's just that the warmest ending for a movie about
0: uh someone being so mad. Well, so I th- I think yeah, you're right. You're you're 100% correct. I'd go a little further though. Um the one thing th- when this was this movie, I've seen this movie a ton. Uh, it doesn't mean I've like looked at it critically a ton or anything, but like it was just on a lot when I was a kid. Uh my my dad loved it. Um In fact, John Candy and Steve Martin were pretty big in our house. You could put anything with them on and, and everyone would be like, Oh, we'll watch this. Uh but when I was when I was well, when I was in my early twenties, when I like right after I had moved to Philly, I saw I caught this on like direct TV somewhere or or whatever. And when I when I get to the point where, um, where John Candy goes, where like Steve Martin is like, I think I've been spending too much time away from home, and then John Candy says, "Oh, I haven't been home in years." Like for some reason, that at the time, that that line hit me real hard. And even though I hadn't been home or I hadn't been like living in Philly for even a year at this point, uh, it still hit. Like I, I just realized, oh, wait a minute, all, all, all my, all of them are back. All of them are a thousand miles away, and I'm. More or less, you know, by myself. Sure, I have, uh, at the time, a really great girlfriend. And I, you know, who, who I, whom I would marry. Uh, and I was beginning to make friends in a place that I'd never really known before moving here. But watching it this time, it, it opened up a lot. Of, and I'm not going to go into all of them here but it's one of those things that i don't i don't know if the rifts in my family will ever be bridged uh, but it made me think about them a lot and when Steve Martin is on his way, or when Neil Page is on his way back to the—I'll say train station, but I'm pretty sure it's like a regional rail situation, like we have here in Philly—and sees Dell in the lobby, and he's like, "I thought you were going home. Why? Are, why are you still here?" And then he's, and then he delivers the delivers the line, "I don't have a home. Marie's been dead for eight years." I was like oh I did not need that. <laughs> like yeah. it was and mean it, and it's it's and because it's a movie I've seen so much, like I I saw it coming. I'm like I saw it coming more apparent than Del Griffith saw those two semis coming at him on the highway. Like I'm like, here 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 it is, here it is. And it, I still just was not ready for it. But I think the the trek back to the to the train station for Neil Page, not only has he realized what the line "I haven't been home in years meant, but I think he also realized that for whatever if you want to call it circumstance or actual considerate or consideration, Dell did do a lot for him. Yeah. when he and and he realized that he didn't have to like he realized he knew that if 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 things were the other way he wouldn't have done that for another person and that was when he he sort of realized oh wait a minute this is he's just being considerate <laughs> just showing a, a modicum of care because they were thrust they were thrust into the same place circumstantially did a little bit of opening up in a way that neil page definitely thought was not too consequential and dell went the way just to remember that and that is probably what separates this movie and a lot of its ilk in terms of like the odd couple buddy comedy, especially when it's two strangers from vastly different backgrounds and points of view.
1: Yeah. I I, I think I agree with that.
0: Yeah. Um, but we we so we we kind of sailed through this. I do want to talk about some other stuff. Um, did you did you want to bring up any high points for you other than the obvious uh, one? <laughs> um,
1: I do find it funny when they go to start the car after uh, the night at the hotel. Um, first off, they're like talking about how it feels like they're in summer camp, and John Candy just can't stop laughing. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, that's very good. Yes. But when they try to leave and they start up the car getting junk and he reverses it into the hotel and Martin's <laughs> like, just go, just go, just go, just put it in drive, let's leave.
0: It's like, um, well, and Steve, and it's like, it's like Steve Martin or Neil Page at this point, it's like, oh, you see the change in him. He's like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Rather um, than, think, oh my
1: God. <laughs> I think that's
0: very good. And yes. that made me laugh very
1: hard. But yeah, uh, th- th- those are my highlights. Um, I I don't have much to say about like how this movie shot or anything because I think it's filmed for I mean it's made very well. John Hughes is very good at what he does, mm-hmm. um, but nothing stands out. It's it's those it's those few moments in where I've just full on joy um, work for me. Yeah, and, and then also the gut punch at the end works for me, mm-hmm. but the first half of the movie doesn't work super well. Uh, for me, just because it just doesn't hit, doesn't hit home at all. I didn't grow up with it, so it doesn't hit me at, at all. Yeah. Um. But that second half really strong. Uh. So, but I don't, I, I I went into the recording of this. I'm like I'm not gonna have too much to add, other than I just need to talk about the
0: skeletons.
1: Yes. Oh. Uh, yes. So I, I did. I did my job. And if, so if, here you, for whatever if you if you like
0: skeletons, good skeletons. If you like movie. that joke in Home Alone 2,
1: where he <laughs> goes to like wash his face and then gets electrocuted and turns into a skeleton while screaming and then turns back into a man, you get that twice <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's 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 really good. Like the the balance of absolute silliness and um, the the subtle escalation of emotional punches throughout uh it's a it's a really it's a really brilliant cocktail from a very tried and true idea as far as I'm concerned um the ti- the the things I I want to speak about specifically are when they first meet not like the the stealing of the cab which I think this I, I as I was watching this, the stealing of the cab scene is 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 really brilliant um mainly because I remember taking cabs and I never understood this until I sh- until I got used to the idea of sharing a cab with people, but people do not like to share cabs. Like think about think about this in in this 1987 movie. Yeah. No one like like when he goes up to that lawyer at the beginning, he's like, Hey, I want to appeal to your good nature. Like, dude, split the fucking cab. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and you're just like, and you know, in 2022, th- what 35 years after this came out, we have, I mean, pre pandemic, of course, but we had like shared Ubers, shared yeah, totally. Lyfts, where if one person is going, if, if a bunch of people are going the same way, like, an Uber will pick them all up. We're not, I'm not really going to make comments on the gig economy because you know, it's not great, pretty- but we, I mean, it's
1: the same thing though. Taxis were still around. We'd we would, we would like have, we would just like be like, Hey, can we share a taxi? And someone would be like, Oh yeah, totally. Like it would just be different now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and I was just like, like, he should have just said, "Hey, can I get in with you and just go to two different places?" Like it was, it's it's that easy. But then I guess you know maybe someone's worried about the meter getting rent or whatever. But like that's where it's Thanksgiving. You just offer to pay, um, if it's that important to you. Um. But I also, when they first meet in the airport, I can. My dad was he he traveled for work a lot. He was in sales, very much like Del Griffith. But I could almost see my dad getting into not necessarily not necessarily like the Del Griffith situation, but I he had a knack whenever we were on vacation. Whenever, and we were always we were always driving, we never really flew. I didn't really fly a lot till after I left home. But he had a knack. If we were stopping at a rest stop or if we were just like getting gas, like Amanda and Amanda, my sister and I would scatter to the wind, run for a little bit. My mom would run after us because she's a mother. And my dad while he was waiting he would always just strike up a conversation with somebody and i guarantee you he probably remembered those people to the end of his life he maybe he maybe didn't remember everybody's name but i'll bet you he remembered that on the way to florida one vacation you know matt and amanda ran to the arcade at a gas station and he filled up, parked, and just stood next to the car and struck up a conversation with somebody. Cause we would always come back and he would be speaking to this person and he would be the last in the car. Because he was having a good time talking to whomever he was talking to at the time. Uh yeah, that was my that was my Del Griffith was my dad. And my dad was Del Griffith. But uh that's one of that. That's sort of the most relatable thing that I thought about while watching this. Now, had you seen this prior or is this nope, your first, this is time? The first time? Okay. Well, hopefully you watch it again. Um. But I also, I like having spent a lot of time working as working in the service industry, like, Retail, I mean, for lack of a better term, what I do now is predominantly a service uh, because we are so front facing with patients and everything. But when Steve Martin, Neil Page, is at his absolute worst with a service worker, part of me felt so- <laughs> I feel solidarity with that American Marathon car rental woman going, you're fucked. Because I've always been, I've been in that situation, especially working in retail where I've wanted to say that to somebody. Uh, I don't know if I've ever been mad enough at a customer or even, uh, even like uh, restaurant patrons or bar patrons to where I would have picked them up by their nuts, but... I still kind of side with the service worker on that in in that scenario. And I get it like you know we're we're all on our own journey here. The the ideal path is to step back and realize that you don't understand the battles that everyone are fighting, but also if someone said, "Hey, if I w- <laughs> if I wanted a joke, I'd follow you into the john and watch you take a leak,"
1: I might funny. feel a certain type of way about that. I got the first laugh out of me. It was very good. <laughs> and like, uh, there, there, there's that scene in the when they're in bed together, mm-hmm. and they wake up together, and it's, mm-hmm. very, it's, very, uh, it's like, uh, Neil, <laughs> where's your hand? It's like uh, it's uh, between two pillows. Like those aren't pillows. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or, or like the uh, dell's like double where's your hand. Uh but like as much as I find it funny at the same time I'm like, Ooh, that's weird. <laughs>
0: it's weird yeah I, I was off. like, Ooh, this doesn't age well. <laughs>
1: um but then they but they make it up again though when like he gets grabbed by the crotch and then talks in a high voice for two minutes. A funny joke that still works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Something I, that I appreciate that um, I realized as we were talking about it, um, the very beginning of the movie when he's leaving the office, he says, "Oh, I forgot my gloves. I'll just come back for them later." Right? Mm-hmm. And then he loses his hat. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at some point he loses his jacket. I could be mistaken, um, but he's just slowly losing things to keep him warm. <laughs> Yeah, to the point where he has to borrow clothes from John Candy. Mm Mm-hmm. And I find that very smart. That like, like John Hughes accepted that he's like, oh, I need to get him to lose his clothes. Yeah. How do I do that? Well, let's just do it in the beginning. No, no one will question it.
0: Well, like by the by the end, he had like I remember him having two small cases, and I don't remember him having any at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I like this movie a lot. But, uh, what what are your final thoughts? Final
1: thoughts is I think this is the, probably the best Thanksgiving movie. I can't think of another actual Thanksgiving movie.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know either. I, I, I the problem
1: like, It's like me talking about like Batman Returns is the best Christmas movie because the, the a central plot point is it being Christmas. It's the same thing mm-hmm. with this movie. A central plot point is he's going home for Thanksgiving, so it's a Thanksgiving yeah. movie. Um, I think. I think, you'll, I think if you like comedies that just get a little silly, but also have some nice seriousness to it, I think this is a very mm. good one of those. Right. Um. I think, for the most part, it's aged super well. I think it's just that one scene. Feel, it feels weird, but they don't ever, like, say it's bad. It's just, like, these are two straight men. Um,
0: yeah, well, I mean, well, it's just, like, at the end, when they first get into that hotel. So, you want a shower? No! I meant, do you want a shower first? No.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> But I think it's a very fun movie of two people just learning to enjoy each other's flaws while they're with each other. Mm-hmm. It's John Candy that he won't be able to. Do. Yeah, and I need to watch uh, "There Are Only Murderers in the Building" because I like Steve Martin a lot.
0: Yes, Steve Martin has a he's a pretty good actor. Um, I would if you've if you've not seen a lot of John Candy, I would also recommend. Um, only the lonely. That's a, a performance very much in line with this. Um, but he also did, he also did just plenty of delightful comedies. Like he was, he was pretty good in the movie Splash. He was really good in Armed and Dangerous. You put this man in in a in opposite. Eugene Levy. It's a good time.
1: I mean, I think John, and maybe maybe I might be mistaken, but I think John Candy's a good foil to
0: somebody. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And even if he's the
1: lead, if he doesn't have a foil with him, I don't know if he it works as well. I know, like the last movie he made was Canadian. Was it was it Canadian? I think I it was.
0: Something. I think it was Canadian bacon. I think it actually was. Yeah, but I'm thinking
1: of. I think it, I'm thinking of. Yeah, Wagons East is the one people talk about that's, like, not good. Okay. Um, and his, it uh, looks like, I, I'm trying to see, like, if he had someone to play off of him. And this looks like it's his second is Richard Lewis mm-hmm. in that movie. And I don't think I've seen anything that I like Richard Lewis.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've not. I remember he was in, I feel like he was in a sitcom with Jamie Lee Curtis in the mid-80s that my parents liked. Or just no, my mom liked uh, because my dad did not have much tolerance for TV. Um, But but yeah,
1: in Las Vegas. But I've not seen that movie.
0: He's a really good foil for. Actually, I think Dan Aykroyd is more his foil in The Great Outdoors as well.
1: And like that seems like that would work because it's just like similar comedy types. Mm-hmm. Working well together, and while one person can still be the straight like I I can believe Dan Aykroyd as the straight man.
0: Yeah, which watch well, that I, I think Dan Aykroyd is the foil. Like oh, really, he, yeah, I think J- John Candy it, John Candy switches it up, and he's predominantly the straight man in the Great Outdoors, which is again wild. But um yeah, watch John Candy movies, man. They're really good. He 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 had a, he had a really good career. Uh, I don't remember if this was ever founded, uh, but I I keep, I remember like in the late nineties hearing rumors that John Candy was supposed to be the third Amigo instead of Martin Short. Yeah, I could see that. And I was like, I think that's probably, that might be too much. Now I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying I, I would not besmirch. The career of the wonderful martin short i'm not here to do that but um like i think that mi- that might just be that might just be too much i could also see with what i know about chevy chase now i can almost see john candy and chevy chase fighting on set yeah yeah i could,
1: I could see that Chevy yeah. Chase I can see Chevy Chase fighting with everybody on set though that's the issue yeah. <laughs> like yeah. nowadays like I just always see Chevy Chase fighting people mm-hmm.
0: Chevy Chase just out here hating um, the, the last thing I'll say about this movie if, if, if that's alright yeah Um. one of the things I, I appreciate now that I that I know them or that I know how to look for them are the moments where steve martin is by himself in the movie and uh he completely forgets how to interact with strangers because because he he realizes that del griffith has made it so easy to interact with him where he's always del griffith has always been sort of the front when dealing with someone new and you know neil can just sort of sit back and react to that rather than be proactive in those situations and when he's by himself like with the marathon rental car lady or um the the cab stand gentleman all of a sudden he can't make those interactions go well sure those interactions come at come at the climax of, of some pretty frustrating events for neil page I'm not gonna take that away from him but even in I could almost see even in like the the oddest crisis del Griffith would be like hey let's take let, let's let's sit back let's take a second everyone take a breath and let's see how we can work this out because the only yeah. time the only time Martin ever or Neil Page ever did that in the movie was at that second hotel where he's like, Hey, um I've got $17 and a hell of a nice watch. And you have to think that he's sort of picked that up from Del Griffith's escapades selling shower curtain rings as earrings, <laughs> which is hilarious. But yeah, I think the I think the moments where Neil Page is by himself and has to sort of survive the world are when he realizes that there's there's I think a poorly a poorer written screenplay would have him actually say out loud going, I wish Dell was here. Yeah. Whereas we just see a confused middle management businessman going why is it why isn't this working i don't understand also there's there's a cameo that uh, we should talk about uh dylan baker as as owen gus's son oh yeah yeah what a what a <laughs>
1: I, you, you t- I totally just forgot about that character.
0: Yeah, like
1: there's a there's a line read he gives, and I think they probably did a second take, but I think he was like, no, 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 that first one, <laughs> where he's trying to say something, but he has so much chew in his mouth he mm-hmm. can't finish what he's saying, so he has yeah. to do another huge spit in the yep. middle of his line read. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: at what a what a time! <laughs> like. I don't know if that was his first film. No, it's his second film. His first film is Ishtar. <laughs> and he's uncredited in that. And he's probably he, he probably looks at that and goes, probably better off. Um Yeah. Dylan um, Baker from planes, trains, and automobiles to happiness to Road to Perdition to Spider-Man.
1: Some he's in a drama.
0: Thirteen days?
1: Uh, I would have to look.
0: Okay. Why
1: don't you lead us off on what you've been watching? Uh,
0: So, last night, Reba and I had a... We, we had a bit of a movie-watching day. We watched Train spotting. Never seen it. Oh, oh you will. <laughs>
1: you, now that you that said like that... That sounds like a threat.
0: You definitely... Oh, no, it's not a threat. Uh, but... It's been a it's been a while for for I believe it's been a while for both of us since we've seen it and man that is such a fucking good movie like I I remember in the mid two thousands where I was I'm pretty sure this was a a high fidelity moment where I'm at Tower and at the movie counter with a bunch of my coworkers and we're just talking about movies we like or whatever. And someone brought up Train Spotting. It was probably me. I probably brought it up. And then a bunch of other people are like, "Well, but but why watch Train Spotting when you can watch Requiem for a Dream?" And that caused uh, a bit of a a bit of a stir. I'm, I don't think Requiem for a Dream is a bad film, but I do like the fact that I think with all of its problems or all of the characters problems, all of the flaws across the cast character wise, not performance wise. Uh, I think train spotting is still hopeful where, uh, Requiem for a dream is like a holdover from the just say no, dare to keep kids off drugs, eighties and nineties. Uh, and when I said that, people were like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Watch the end of that movie. Watch the end of that movie, <laughs> and then tell me, and tell me I'm wrong." Uh, hopefully, I've grown out of that bullshit. Jesus Christ, I sound like an asshole. Um, <laughs> also, uh, it is we are we we uh, we are at the we are at the we are at the final week. The final episode of this season of British Bake Off and let me tell you this season has been the wildest ride yet for Reba and I because we watch this the way people watch sports and as a sports fan that's still kind of that's one of those things I love saying but I'm still kind of weirded out that I am getting this intense about people just baking stuff but we watched, we, we watched this show, and we almost, like, I'm pretty sure if we, like, cared to take notes, we would have, like, box scores somehow for huh. for this show. Uh, have you ever
1: watched Bake Off? I've watched some Bake Off. I got, I got a little bit into it, and then my mom's like, oh, you're watching Bake Off? Let me watch it with you. And then I stopped watching Bake Off, because whenever my parents want to get involved watching something with me, it takes me forever to get it done.
0: Oh, you so you like so you're so you're just considerate. You if they want to watch, you want to wait for them, right? Yeah, I will wait
1: for them, and then they're like, they'll never want to watch it after they say that, though. So I just stop watching. That's why I never finished X Files. Um, oh, okay. they try to do that with Star Trek with me, but I was so invested in Star Trek by the time they got to me, I'm like, no, 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 no. no. I'll watch it, and then if I'm around and watching it, you can watch it with me. I'm not gonna wait
0: for you. I'm not. I'm not waiting yet. No, uh, I think luckily, like Reba and I are are pretty understanding. Like if we want to watch something together, I'd say, "Am am I actually gonna watch this with you?" No, you go ahead. Um, Which is why, you know, she's rewatching she she, re- she has every time I come to bed because I, co- I go to bed like significantly later than she does and she has always fallen to- asleep to will and grace. So I've seen a lot of will and grace in the past few weeks. I'm not happy about it but I've seen a lot <laughs> of it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say that that show didn't do a lot for for didn't have an impact on te- on the television world but I don't I don't think it's very good anymore. I, th- I think it's. I think it's actually pretty stupid. Uh, although Megan Mullally, her delivery of her lines, still kind of Chef's kiss. Um, and then what else did? What else did I watch? I watched something. Oh, oh. So the last time I mentioned this on the show, I was only at like the f- first half of Trigun. Yeah. So I watched the episode where it becomes. Uh, it, it shows like the backstory of Vash the Stampede. Done. Well, so part of me is like, oh, of course they would do this bullshit, but I think they did it in a very good way. And I mean, I'm. I, it's basically. It's 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 basically. You know, this is the momentum that'll carry me through to the rest of the series because I'm, I'm, I think it's 26 episodes. I think I'm at 18 and, you know, barreling my way towards, towards the conclusion. I just haven't had a lot of time to watch more of it. But man, what a cool ass show. Yeah, I think it's pretty neat. Like, I, I'm, like, I feel like. Now, I've, I've had only a few people talk to me about anime. Uh, I'm always open to people talking to me about anime because I am very young in my journey through it. So if you anybody who listens to this wants to just DM me recommendations and give me a little bit of a blurb why, I'll, I'll take it on board and get to it when I can. But I wish more people talked to me about Trigun. Because I probably would have been here a long time ago and been ready for like more. Uh, Also, I have not started the second volume of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure yet, just in case there was going to be a question, because uh, I'm not ready. Jesse, what have you been watching?
1: Well, I know we've kind of mentioned it, I guess, before, but I've been basically going through every Kubrick movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have pretty much finished. Um, I've been trying to keep up with Blank Check, the podcast, uh-huh. as they go through Kubrick's filmography. And that means I have watched Full Metal Jacket and Eyes Wide Shut. Now, close the book. I'll co- I mean, I might go back and watch some of the short films that they didn't cover. Uh, but not anytime soon. I think Full Metal Jacket is. Good. I didn't have. It's the same thing I had with uh, Clockwork Orange. It's like I didn't enjoy my time. Not that, like I. And I think I said this when we talked about Clockwork Orange. Is like you can you can feel bad watching a movie, um, but still enjoy your time with that movie. I think Come and See is a good example of that. As we watched sure for the show, like we both really appreciated it and enjoyed the time. But it's, it wasn't like an enjoyable watch. That makes sense. That's,
0: sure, yeah. Like, enjoyable like, is a weird word, but like, like I, mean like I like, would, like, I would go back to come and see for that bad time.
1: Yeah, Full Metal Jacket. I don't see myself ever coming back to it.
0: Yeah, I, I think I've seen that movie twice, and both times I kind of had the same reaction, and I was just like, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. I guess I, I, guess I don't need to do this anymore.
1: The opposite end of things. I just don't think I enjoyed my time with Eyes Wide Shut all that yeah. much. But what I would do, is I would, re- I would, I would be like, "Hey, friends who've never seen this movie before, let's watch it." And then you, you think? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh huh. I think it's really again a really rolly movie, extremely well acted by Tom Cruise. Like I think that's maybe the best Cruise performance out of all the movies I've seen of his, and I've seen a lot. There's still some big ones I haven't seen. Um, like I haven't seen I've, Jerry Maguire yet. Still, have you but, seen
0: Magnolia?
1: I haven't seen Magnolia and I haven't seen uh, Vanilla Sky, which is like the big three in a row. That you... Um, but like, Tom Cruise not being Tom Cruise, I think, is his best when he's playing Tom Cruise. If that makes sense, where he's being mm-hmm. the celebrity that we all think he is. Yeah, and I think he does that in Eyes Wide Shut. He does that very well, and. Um impossible movies where you like you just think he's this cool all the time so that's why he works I think a movie where that doesn't there's like I don't think that works very well in War of the Worlds because he doesn't feel like a dad yeah so I'm like this doesn't work because you don't like cocktail doesn't work in cocktail he doesn't feel like a kid down on his luck no not at all and so, like, there's a few of those movies. I like Jack Reacher, he's not six foot tall, but he feels six foot tall. Like it works. Valkyrie, mm-hmm. he doesn't feel like a Nazi general. He just
0: doesn't. He doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. Tropic Thunder. I haven't seen that one either. Um, oh, he doesn't feel like an asshole producer, but he is one.
1: I mean, color, of, color of money, not color of money. Cocktail and risky business are like really interesting off a tangent a really interesting kind of dynamics because they're both the same kind of character but risky business he feels like this stuck up kid that's just trying to like have fun yeah um anyways enough about Tom Cruise I also watched and I might have watched this when I was a kid but I do not believe I've ever watched this before really I, I mean, again, there's an off chance my parents had, had me watch it as a kid, but I asked both of them, and then I go, no, I don't think you ever watched that. And okay. And from, like, when I can choose my own movies consciously to as an adult, I was like, uh, E.T.'s going to be too silly. I'm not going to like it. It's going to be too goofy. And um, I just hit a point. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just hit a point where I was listening to Old Blank Check where they're covering late Spielberg, not even early Spielberg, mm-hmm. and I was having a really rough week. Which was like last week. <laughs> I was having a really yeah. rough week. And I'm like, I need something comfortable. And I'm like, well, I want to watch a Spielberg movie. What's streaming? And you know what i streaming? E. T. Put it on and I watched E. T.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, speaking movie, of Spielberg. God, that movie.
0: that movie. <laughs> that so I good. I got I
1: got four more really quick ones and then like, oh. Um, Take your
0: time. Take your speaking,
1: time. Speaking of Spielberg, I watched the movie Finch, which is on Apple TV. It's uh, not a Spielberg movie, but it's one of his guys, Tom Hanks, uh-huh. taking care of a robot. Now, I don't think it's a good movie. It's very slow. Um, but again, I was just having a moment and an emotional gut punch hit me and I'm like, oh, I'm crying. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was, that was interesting. Solid Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, very good tribute to this is something I hate when people say this movie was three hours long it was two hours and like 40 minutes it's three hours long because the trailers are 35 minutes now <laughs> yeah Um, I don't think it, I don't think it was overwhelming or bloated or anything I just think that some people are just want shorter movies because every movie is this length now instead of everything so I get that but speaking yeah. of short movies, we saw that super late and like went to bed like, like two o'clock in the morning or like two thirty. Sure. Um, and I told my friend who I sat with, I crashed at his place. I go, hey, I'm gonna try to get up at eight thirty so we can catch the nine forty five showing of the Banshees of Uh, uh I'm probably saying that wrong because it's an Irish. Um, that's the new Colin Farrell, uh, Donald Gleason movie.
0: Oh Brendan Gleeson, yeah, oh, the, basically the spiritual successor to In right? Yeah, kind of. Uh,
1: yeah, it's just it's it's just very Irish. Um, and he goes, oh, "I want to see that." And he's like, "I'll try to wake up too." So we woke up at like eight thirty, both of us, like groggy, rolled out of bed, took a shower and stuff, and just went back down to the theater and saw nine forty five showing of that. And we're we all had... like, "You again?" <laughs> yeah, but we had a great time. That was a, a movie that's not. Well, it's a it's very much like a borderline black comedy. I don't know how you would say it. it's a drama, but like very dark humor. Mm-hmm. Very good. It's very very good though. Maybe one of my favorite movies I've seen in a few months. And then lastly, I was like, I have three sp- holes in my Nolan filmography. Okay. I should I should plug those. So I watched the following yesterday, or following yesterday. Ooh, okay. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yeah, I have. Love uh, it. It's a very weird Nolan movie in the sense of it has a lot of language, mm-hmm. which I think only happens in a couple of his movies. Sure. He's written and directed. Um, a lot of sex in that movie, which is super weird for the movies he's written and directed.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's a
1: very sexless director after this. Um, Even even like... A, memento has very little I mean there's hints of sex in memento but there's very little sex in memento and the prestige Mm -hmm. but he's still he's doing the time stuff in that first movie yeah it's three separate timelines all intersecting with each other yeah and about half an hour in insomnia but no idea of where that's going yet
0: Oh, did he direct the? Is it the Al Pacino Insomnia? Is that the one? He yeah, directed? that's
1: the one he directed. He directed the remake, and he technically wrote it, but he's not credited.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I I like. I haven't seen The Following in a very long time, and I haven't seen Memento in even longer. But some of the, some of that stuff, like he he seems to always carry that with him. Yeah. Um I mean, he uses it where where it's appropriate obviously. Like he's not he didn't try he didn't do Batman Begins as like a weird, you know, <laughs> exposé in the passage of time. But um but yeah. That's that's cool that that's cool that. So you watched Insomnia um Prestige and the following? I'm watching
1: Insomnia right now. I, I just okay. mentioned Prestige. I've seen Prestige a bunch of times. I love
0: the Prestige. Okay. I think I've I i do not think I've ever seen that one.
1: Oh, you should watch the Prestige. I should. You should watch the Prestige. Um, But what we should watch. I have a plug but I'll do that in a second. Our next movie is an old movie because I was like thinking about I was you know what? I'm going to switch it. Let's watch the Prestige. I was going to say let's watch Inception. <laughs> but
0: Let's watch The Prestige because now you, now you, since you've said you've never seen it, well, see, I like the fact that you like said, I want to just have, I just want, I just want to watch something fun. And let's, like, the and i uh, like, Inception, like that's, oh, Inception's a lot of fun. Not saying it's not, not saying it's not, but now
1: The Prestige is not streaming for free anywhere, it's a four dollar rental, not a huge I think, deal.
0: I think I actually have it on DVD, so I don't own it
1: but i'll just rent it i'm not a, i'm not too worried about it um prestige is not as fun as
0: inception inception is fun i know it's heavy at times well so when you but see like if if i if someone says hey you want to watch inception like the first thing that comes to my mind is not hmm, what a fun movie oh, <laughs> that's what comes to my mind i'm like oh yeah that's a that's a great time uh, yeah, so let's watch the prestige. And people wonder why we always watch the heavy shit.
1: <laughs> um the prestige will be fun. In 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 the sense of magicians are fun. Yeah, in the sense of it's a good time. Um and I think after that is our Christmas movies. A special thing that you bring into the year. Um Yes. Last plug. I've been listening to this podcast called Dead Eyes, which is done. It's three seasons like 30 episodes okay the premise of it is this comedian actor named got fired from band of brothers by tom hanks or for what he said tom hanks said he had dead eyes and so his goal is to find out what that meant and he wants and he wants to talk to tom hanks about it <laughs> 20 years later um and he does eventually get tom hanks on it that's not a spoiler that's the last episode so but I've been listening, to it and it's just an interesting journey of like what actors go through, and like the idea of like what does being fired mean. Stuff. There's a lot of interesting talks going on. Yeah, I recommend that. It's for free. It's on any podcast app. So, yeah. Matthew, where can people find you?
0: You can find me at infinite underscore rewind everywhere I want to be. That's predominantly Twitter uh, and Instagram. I am also on the social media platform called cohost host dot org slash infinite dash rewind. Uh, I'm kind of straddling that and Twitter at the moment. I'm trying to do more on cohost just because. I, yeah, yes, I know Twitter is always going to be Twitter, and I have I I have the following I have on Twitter, and I'm happy with it. But I. Do think that the time to get off of it is is coming quicker for me than it than it had been prior. So I'm still in the I'm still doing both, uh, and that's where you can find me. You can also uh, listen to me talk about other stuff in other places. Specifically, uh, our friend Caroline and I talk about music on Trivial Merit. We make eight-song playlists in hopes of getting ourselves, maybe you, from a negative headspace to a positive one. Our next episode uh, was going to be on the punk band X uh, with uh, with our first guest, which is uh, Don Everhart from Gamers with Glasses, who to my understanding, frequents the critical distance weekly blog a lot because he's a good writer about games, but that, uh, due to some scheduling conflicts and some life happening, postponing that Caroline and I called an audible and we are doing the who next. So nice. so that'll be, I the hope next to
1: hear my favorite tracks or I will
0: riot. Well, what are you, what are your favorite tracks?
1: Not on, I'm not on an episode of Trivial Merit. I can't. I can't.
0: <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, uh, a lot of my most favorite Who songs didn't make the playlist because it didn't really call for them. But sure. uh, and then the other place you can hear me right now is the Bald Gun Guy Show or Bald Gun Guy Podcast. It's a playthrough of the Modern Hitman trilogy, one level at a time. It is put out by Scanline Media. Uh, my co-host there six uh and ty are both wonderful people and I'm so glad they allowed me to to nerd out about agent forty seven and hitman We recently did new york new york the golden handshake and that's a fun episode. We have one more d l c level from hitman two before we move on to hitman three or i'm i'm sorry we're we are gonna do the sniper assassin mission, so it's two episodes before hitman three begins so Play the game, catch up. Check that out, bald gun guy pod on Twitter, uh scanlinemedia.com. That's everything from me.
1: Um, you can catch me everywhere at Sleeper Over the Bed. There will be a new episode at some point on the Y Comics podcast feed. I've just been very busy and drained. So I just have had time to get that made, but it will be made will continue. Um Yeah, that's it. You find that's that's all I got going on. <laughs> I got nothing. I got <laughs> going on right now. Uh you can find this show at free reeling it on Twitter. Plus at freereling it at gmail.com for every time we say uh you can send us fifty cents. Matthew does our theme song.
0: My buddy Jason, he goes by Deadeye on Spotify, I, all caps when you spell the man's name. You can find our theme song on his uh, album that came out last year. It is called Bloodshed Kingdom. It's a very wonderful instrumental reggae album. Or actually, it's more, probably more reggae adjacent this time out. But he was part of a reggae duo called the Hope Street Steppers that released a masterful debut in 2013 called Black Lightning. Check out all of that out you can find him on instagram specifically at dead eye productions d-e-a-d or d-e-a-d the letter i productions as you would spell it so support him he's a wonderful guy good father good nurse and one of my best friends remember
1: everybody this holiday season check on your friends check on your screaming skeleton and uh check on your pets Don't let them
0: feel left out. Let's not fight.